Welcome back to the Salon Plus podcast. My name is Josh Wofford, and across the table from me is... John Nicholson. This is the masked version. Yep. I got a mask, too, because I don't trust anybody anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, after last week, I exposed him to the whole COVID thing. He's like, all right, I'm done with that. Yeah, we're, we're both wearing a mask, so if we sound a little bit muffled, it's because we were... It, John exposed me to COVID right. this time last week. That's right. And uh, when we were doing the podcast, so like I said, I don't trust anybody anymore. <laughs> so I'm going to be wearing my mask for a while so I don't have to quarantine anymore. Uh, we are it, so hopeful that maybe this will burn yeah. itself out in the next couple of weeks. But we know that there are several other people in the life of our church right now that are, are dealing with it. My wife being one of them, she did test positive. Not a huge surprise, but so far everybody seems to be handling it okay. But, boy, it's yeah. been a challenge. It's been tough. Yeah. And I've been quarantined for two weeks and haven't been sick the whole time. <laughs> so that's either a, a so you're just playing hooky is all you're doing, it's man. It's a blessing or a curse, however laying out you want to look like. Right. Uh, I will say this. This uh, Wednesday after you called me, uh, my first couple of hours of quarantine was spent washing the outside windows <laughs> because Becca's like, what else are you going to do? And I had no, no excuses. Excuse. <laughs> I had no excuses anymore. So uh, I, I, I did get stuff done around the house oh, and man. got a bunch of schoolwork done. But anyways... Let's get back to the podcast. Sure, John. let's get back to some uh, positive things. We, we have been uh, taking your questions yep. on the Ask the Pastor series, and we have accumulated uh, two or three or really probably even four uh, different questions surrounding the church right. in general and, and different aspects of the church. And so we wanted to take that uh, uh, theme, I guess you'd call it a theme, uh, for this particular podcast and uh, we're gonna. There's some other related questions that we're gonna take on uh, in some other podcasts, but you know, we we just got so many about that even use just the word church in it right. that we just kind of wanted to clump them all together. The first one, I think, is uh, one that is kind of a good opener. Sure. Uh, and the question is, why is church attendance important? Why why do I gotta be here? Well, go ahead. <laughs> oh, you're throwing on, I'm asking the questions. Well, you know, for me, it's not a you got to thing. It's a get to. I mean, why wouldn't you want to? It, it what is, if I don't get anything from it? What if What if I come and people don't talk to me? The sermon is talking about something that I, just has no application to my life whatsoever, and I leave feeling worse than I did when I walked in. It's going to happen. Yeah, likely. Yeah, I mean that 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 will be your experience at some point, but it's so much more than what I may or may not get out of. That that is certainly. I mean, I'm coming to be fed. I'm coming to be uh, reminded and filled again with uh, you know the confidence of faith and all of those kinds of things, and to experience the presence of Christ. But there is an act of obedience in that. That that it's kind of like sitting down for a meal. Not every meal that I eat is this grand, memorable event. But boy, I sure am glad I've eaten every one of them. Yeah, you know, because they sustain me. There are, and you know, that's that's something that happens. Well, even like this past Sunday, my experience of attending online church. I am so grateful that we've got the technology that allows us to do that, where I could experience Roger pulling his jacket off and really getting to preaching midway yeah. through the sermon. Going all James Spann on, no us. doubt, but. But I thought, man, oh, I wish I was there to, to really experience what happens in that moment because there is something that happens when we are together in person that does not happen. Right. 
you know, I, to give the sports analogy, which we invariably go to, so, uh, uh, going to the 1992 championship game, Alabama versus Miami. I could tell you all about it. You can have good memories even if you watch the game on TV. But I'll never forget, uh, I can't remember his name now, Antonio Langham chasing down the guy and stripping the ball from him you know, yeah. at, at the beginning of the second half. Electric. I mean, that place was electric. There's no way to communicate that experience unless you were there. Mm-hmm. Same sort of thing with, I think, with church attendance. There are things that are going to happen that you just cannot. And, and we've got several of those stories that are associated with our lifetime here at Salon. I think of the day that uh, Miss England and the little girl brought the roses in mm-hmm. um, after the Charlottesville incident. Yeah. And what an incredible, I mean, palpable presence of Christ that was in the, in the building yeah. that day. I think of, you know, even in a Sunday in, Sunday out, uh, the day that uh, Ellie uh, stared down Doug at the offering plate, you know. And, you, know <laughs> yeah. you, you just can't, you, you don't get those things if you're not there. Right. That's the experiential side. But the other side of that is, if I'm a member of the body of Christ and I don't show up, I'm missing something. But also, I'm keeping everybody else from experiencing something just mm-hmm. by my absence. Yep. It's kind of like building a... Uh, you know, putting together a 500-piece puzzle and finding that pieces 490 through 500 are missing. The puzzle's not complete. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the big picture, you got part, you can see, but it's not what it should be. And that's the way it is, I think, with with folks that don't attend church. They may call themselves members, and we got plenty of them, but they don't attend. So. Uh, you hear a lot, and this this is across the board. I was about to say it's from my generation, but you're starting to see it more of even your generation, John, uh, that church has become either just watching whichever church is on TV that day yeah. or just listening to a podcast sermon and then wishing, listening to whatever worship songs that is on your playlist that right. day. And, and I hear people say, oh, I went to church in my pajamas today. Right. You can worship God in your pajamas. Sure. You can worship God anywhere. Right. But but I think the the jargon that we have picked up saying that I went to church, you did not go to church. Right. And what has happened is we have adopted a consumeristic mindset that I'm a consumer and that Siloam Church, Baptist Church, is here to meet my spiritual needs. Mm-hmm. Yes and no. Yes, I do hope that when you come here, you feel the presence of Jesus. Absolutely. And you walk out of here looking more like Jesus than when you walked in. Right. That, that's, that's truly my hope. But if you come in with just saying, okay, I want to feel better. I feel bad about a particular situation. And I just want to come out of here with my spirits lifted. You know, I hear that uh, phrase a bit, too. That's and and you come in, you just sit, and then you walk out. Right. Yes, you probably won't get much out of that because that's not how church is designed. You you called it Christ's body. Mm-hmm. Paul, the the Bible calls it Christ's body. And so, if my pinky finger can't contribute to anything, one I'm gonna notice it. Right. That it's not working. The other fingers are going to notice that it's not working. My entire body at some point will realize that it's not working. And it will be a detriment to the rest of my entire body when one, my one pinky finger isn't doing what it's supposed to do. Right. So we each have 
a place in Christ's body, right. whether it's uh, from nursery work to <laughs> being a pastor to doing some music. Thank you, Miss Janice. Uh, there you and, go. Yeah, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but we all have a place, and when we don't take our place, when we say, when we just resign and just say, I, I don't have a place, well, that's that's just saying that we know better than, than God mm-hmm. or that we're just too scared of what God might have us to do in his church. Right. And so it's just this idea of I'm here to consume or I'm here to offer a sacrifice, a living sacrifice of worship. Yeah. Uh, those are two different mindsets that I think are competing in just the I, – I, I don't – I can't point to anybody in Siloam and say – they're doing that right but that's just a general mindset that i'm seeing across the board uh in our culture today yeah spectator versus participant yeah and yeah and and i think that's one reason that some people don't come to church necessarily it's because they don't feel that they're participants or they don't have a sense that they have as you were saying anything necessarily to offer to it but again some people don't want to be participants well, there's that side of that as well that's maybe another piece of the puzzle that we'll come to here in a moment but there is that blessing that we bring just by being present. It's it's just showing up. It's being there. Um, you know, there have been times that, as pastor, uh, when somebody walks in the back door, man, my spirit just lifts because oh, right. oh, they're here. Right. You know, uh, Sunday in and Sunday out, watching Miss Jeanette Sturgis make her way in, mm-hmm. blesses my heart every. And I I think, my gosh, if she's here. There are some folks that aren't here, and I don't know what excuse he got, but I don't think it measures up. You know, <laughs> yep. uh, she's making I think that, that effort was to be RV here. Nichols as well. Oh yeah, I mean that list gets long there, but you know, but they 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 want to be there, yep. and by their presence, it is a blessing, mm-hmm. and that's that's so important for us to realize as a church family. And then the the flip side of that is is when we recognize that our pinky finger isn't here. Mm-hmm. Well, where is it? Maybe we need to go check on it mm-hmm. and make sure that it gets back in That's right. because it's missing. And when it's missing, we're not whole. We're not what we should be. And so, you know, it, it is a vital thing. You know, the question, do you have to attend church to be a church member? No, I guess maybe not. Well, you think of special uh, either special occasions or special circumstances, life circumstances as a whole. Right. We got church members in the nursing home. Sure. We can't go to them and say, why aren't you being a church? (laughs) That may not be the best way for us to go anyway. Uh, No, obviously (laughs) not. Uh, And there's some people right now that just are do not need to be around other people for the sake of health reasons. Right. And again, you cannot go to those people and say, why have you been a church? Uh, Because there's been a lot of those people that haven't been physically here that have really plugged in and made the best use. And it's all about that mindset. Right. They're not a consumeristic type mindset. They they are those participants, right. and, and they want to be a part of the uh, life of the body. And but then on the flip side, there are those who call themselves church members. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that there are some folks that are on our church roll that I've not seen in twelve years that I've been the pastor here. Yeah, would they consider themselves members of this church? Yes. And when I have contacted them and talked with them, yes, they do count themselves as church members but they hadn't been here 
and I've had this discussion with several of them. I said, you know, why don't you come? And they, you know, got a litany of reasons. But at the end of the day, a lot of times it's something that happened come. 50 years ago. <laughs> now, there, there are one or two of those that it, that is in fact the place. There was one that's a pastor that's already dead. You know, that she's still upset with him for whatever reason. <laughs> just ain't coming back. I'm like, okay, but you know, if if you were on to go back to the sports analogy, if you were on a team and you never showed up to the game, even if you thought you're not getting in. You're not engaging as part of that team if you yep. don't show up yep. for the game, and so there's there does raise some question, and we probably historically, uh, and we're not alone. A lot of churches wrestle with this. You've got a whole lot of people on the on the church roll that are not functioning as members of the church. Piggyback off all of this, all right? Because there's this addresses possibly some of the people who aren't coming to church. Okay. The question that we got in is, how can we help those that don't like the church but don't have a problem with Jesus? Their issue isn't with really even the Bible or with Jesus. It's these lone wolf type Christians who say that I can generally be a better Christian if I don't have anything to do with the church. So how the question is, how can we help those? So what I'm assuming by that is, how can we gently lead them back to the church. Let me follow this up. Right now, there's a big discussion on uh, being hurt by churches, which is a very real thing. It is. In your answer to this, you know, how can we help those who who have this mindset because they've been to church and they've been hurt? You talk about that lady, you know, 50 years ago with a pastor who's already passed away. There was some real hurt. Yep. And she's still carrying it. Yeah, and she is still carrying it. And that's a discipleship, a spiritual discipleship issue in that lady's heart. Don't know who it is. So, uh, But how can we help those people? Yeah. I think one of the ways that we help them is just being the church. Mm. And that sounds simplistic, but what I'm saying by that is, is, is by, by carrying on the work and the life of the church, it stands as an open invitation, constant open invitation yeah. for them to return. Hopefully that invitation becomes more than just the fact that the door is unlocked on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Hopefully it takes on every personal from that conversation that I have in the bank lobby with this lady that's still mad at this pastor that's already passed away. Yeah. That invitation is there. Mm-hmm. Other invitations I have at you know, the mechanics shop with, with another one that claims to be a member but it still has not been here. Just continuing to say there is a place for you. And let me share with you what God's doing in the midst of the family of faith that's alone yeah. right now that you're missing out on. And we would love for you to be there. And just to continue to extend that invitation and, and to say, hey, you, we, we need you back. We want you back. Because it may not be only that they were hurt by the church, but they may be carrying other things mm-hmm. that we really aren't even aware of that we need to take the time to listen carefully and to patiently walk with folks to that place that they realize or they come to the place that they need the ministry of the church family. Because it's, it's always, and this is the thing about church, it's not something that's out there. It's something that is always local. It's always something that we are engaged in personally. Mm-hmm. And it happens in a place. When Paul wrote to the Galatians, I knew that was a, a series of churches, but they were all churches that were meeting in particular places. You know, John, and as he has his vision and revelation, Jesus is speaking to the church in Ephesus and the, and the lampstand that's there. There's a church, but there's also a pastor in that church, you know. Mm-hmm. 
And this is the model that's there, and that goes to one of the other questions about why is it so different from the first century. In some ways, yes and no, uh, it's, it isn't. But the, you know, the, the heart and soul of it is the same. That there, there is this place where people are called out of of the world that they're in to come together, to worship, to love God, to learn how to love each other, and to walk. And, and we do that, and that's how we grow spiritually as in community. You know, that was the whole discussion on spiritual disciplines back in the fall. Mm-hmm. Was doing these things in community. Can I read my Bible by myself? Yes. Can I pray by myself? Yes. And I should do those things. But it takes on a very different character and different life when I do these things in community yeah. with others. Uh, for me, one of the things that's been helpful for me personally is understanding that, yes, Jesus' followers should live and walk and act and talk like he did. Mm-hmm. But the reality is... That's not always the case. No. It's, it's often not the case. And, I, and that is dis, so disconcerting for folks because we know or we anticipate or we expect the church to behave differently than the world. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, one of my early experiences in my own life with the church family was, was just a deep, deep hurt uh, from conflict that arose in the church over a staff member. And, you know, I was a young person, you know, 10th, 11th grade, and seeing people that I respected behave in the heart of the church in some very what I th- ways that I thought were very non-Christian, non mm-hmm. they did not reflect the heart of Christ yeah. uh, in their attitudes and how they were handling things. It was really heartbreaking. Um, you know, thankfully, I had some wonderful godly people that helped me through that, but there are thousands of people. I had those kinds of conversations with college students and with members of our church, as I've referenced here, You know, people that have not had that kind of experience where they had other people to help them walk through that. Right. All right. So you've already alluded to <laughs> the third. I don't know if that actually answered that question or not, but, Pardon me. but I, I think we hit on some important issues related to that question. Uh, but yeah, that, that uh, other question that you alluded to, and uh, I was going to look up the exact <laughs> quote, why is the modern day church so different from the church in Acts. So we're talking about the book of Acts in the Bible. Right. You read it from uh, chapter 1 to chapter 28, and you think, if I were to say, I've heard this in a sermon before, so I didn't come up with this. If I were to write my biography, my autobiography, and plug it in as Acts 29, chapter 29, because Acts stops at chapter 28, 28, and made it chapter Acts 29, that there would it wouldn't make sense. Like other people would read that and think, "Well, where did that come from?" Yeah, it it just wouldn't make sense in the flow of things. And so, yeah, why is there such a marked difference? Whatever difference we want to highlight, because there's a bunch. Why is that so? There, there are a number of reasons. A couple of them that come to mind. Um, one is the early church didn't have any political power. We tend to think that we do now, and that's part of our privileged position as Western Christians and being American Christians. Now you're meddling too much. Let's get back to yeah, well, <laughs> just, but it's, it's true. You know, of I just can, no, that's an important point. You know, in, in church history, you can trace that back to Constantine. Um, yep. But uh, so you know, it's got a long, long list. But I think we kind of are the, I guess, the peak of that. We we see the the result of that, and you know that that turns a lot of people off, including myself. You know, when the church becomes political, but we got to balance that with. As we talked about last week, when we read the Bible, it's a political statement. You know, it has has importance in the public square, 
And so we got to figure out how we translate that there without becoming people who are pursuing power. Yeah. Uh, because that's not the way of the cross. So it's a challenge, but we, we've become accustomed to that. We've been accustomed to, uh, you know, historically at least, historically, in the last century at least, um, of having some pretty hefty clout as a segment of the American population. And so when you enter into those realms, we come with some sense of, you're going to listen to us because we've got this clout. Yeah. Rather than, how do we listen to you and how do we apply the gospel to your life? That, those are two different approaches to this sort of thing. And so that, that's one area. But the other thing is, is 2,000 years of history. What's happened, what was happening in the first century is not necessarily what's happening right now. Okay? We've also got 2,000 years of church history that we, good and bad, <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. that we have to sort through and, and oh, assimilate. I'm not sure what the word I'm trying to grab hold of here. But it, it impinges on it. It has an impact on how we do church today. Yeah. And we're still, you know, we're working through that. And, and we see that here at Siloam and some of the ways that we're incorporating ancient liturgy, the Apostles' Creed, or reciting the Lord's Prayer, reading a psalm, those kinds of pieces that were part of ancient worship from the very earliest first yeah. century kind of stuff. Baptism, Lord's Supper. Yeah, those kinds of issues. How do we do those in a modern context where we live and make them applicable. Do they still, I do think they have yeah. incredible importance for us. And we're trying to regain some of those kinds of things. So, you know, the differences are there. Part of, and I, I, I'm guessing that whoever asked the question was probably driving more at the hmm, seeming uh, immediate responsiveness of the church to spiritual matters, whether it was the widows who needed additional attention there in Acts 6, or Paul being sent off and, you know, doing his thing in those journeys that are there. Those kinds of things are happening. We may just not be as aware of them. Um, And and maybe even here in our own church, there are those moments that are happening like that, that we may not, we just may not be aware of. We get caught up in some of the other things. We're talking more about the American church. Sure. Because there are a lot of things in a lot of the other countries that would make sense as an Acts 29 chapter at, at the end uh, of the book of Acts. Right. Um, but for us, like you said, our political context, because we have religious freedom, mm-hmm. we're not going to be persecuted like the first, uh, first century church right. was and like some other churches around the world are. And so that ends up making us look a little different (laughs) and you know one of the things that i think about is in acts 2 where it says they were selling their goods and they were sharing with all who have need and stuff like that i'm not opposed to us helping one another out and i think we've it's part of our individualistic Mm -hmm. american idea that what's mine is mine and what's Mine is mine. Right. <laughs> you know, and one of the things, I, I'll, I'll throw Doug Vance under the bus. <laughs> uh, he, whenever we were working on the Moore Street house that we live in now, and we were doing some renovations, uh, he would just bring an entire trailer of tools and just say, bring them back whenever you can, you know. And he's like, these are as much yours as they are mine. Yeah. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, these are nice tools. And he's just letting me go to town with them. I think that's how the church should work. And that was, I, I got a little bit of a glimpse of Acts 2 there. Yeah. And I think we could do even better in that. But I hadn't experienced much like that up until that point. 
even when I first moved here, John, I, I think about the hospi- hospitality that you, uh, Roy and Inez, and just so many others showed me, when, uh, particularly when I first came here, I didn't have anywhere to live. Right. I, I didn't know where to get any food. Like, I, I literally came up here with a box of books and a box <laughs> of clothes. That's all I had. And you let me stay at your house. Uh, Roy and Inez would have me over for supper. They'd bring me Chick-fil-A for lunch and like, all this kind of stuff. And there were so many others that were a part of that. I've experienced firsthand the church being the church in that sense. Yeah. I think that we can do a generally better job of doing that for everybody. Yeah, somebody's going to say, well, why don't we do that all the time? Well, church, have at it. Yeah, yeah, you do it. That's all I'd say. You know, yeah. it, there's nothing that prevents us from doing that. Um, you know, and if there are things structurally that we have that are impeding that kind of lifestyle amongst us, we, we need to reexamine those kinds of things. But the hope is, is and, and for a Doug Vance to bring a trailer load of tools over, and to entrust them to you. There, there is a level of trust that he's engaged with that comes from that personal engagement. He, he knew who you were, mm-hmm. knew where you lived, knew where to come get the tools if there was a problem, you know. Mm-hmm. But he also trusted you, and that came from showing up, being there together. This goes back to the Acts 2. They had all things in common. They were eating together. They were showing up weekly and, and yeah. you know, spent t- daily, spending that time together and developing those relationships together. This is why we don't see that happen. Somebody would bring up the issue of church discipline. My contention is is that, yes, we should have church discipline, but it should be happening all the time, and we should probably never see it on the surface. Yeah. Because for that third level where you bring something before the church, that's when things have just gone completely off the rails. You just don't want to get there. But if I see that Josh Watford's got an issue and he's got a foot out of the trace, I, I need to say, hey, but let's— you know, mm-hmm. Because I care about Josh, I have a responsibility to him as a brother in Christ to say, hey, get back on track. Yep. Folks have that responsibility to me, and I've got a few that kind of shake me up every now and then. I appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, you know, because that's where that love gets shown. I care about you, and I'm going to, I'm going to engage with you in your life. I'm going to walk with you, and if you start walking off on, off in a ditch, I've got some responsibility to say, hey, get out of the ditch. Come yep. on back. That's good. All right, we're at 26 minutes. That's good. You keep saying that at the end of a podcast. I mean, hey, you know, let's... <laughs> well, let's just do a 50-minute podcast. Which thing... No, because the, the issue, the reason I bring that up, John, and for our listeners, we had one more question that we we're going to deal with. But it's a good question. It's a good question. And we've had some conversation about it, but we, we probably do need to save that one and come back to Let's that. save it. Just so, just so that... Let's give you a teaser. How about we'll, that? We'll whet your appetite. Uh, hold on, let me pull up the actual question. <laughs> I, I keep saying that. I, I need to just keep them pulled up. Uh, all right, the question is, why are church sanctuaries set up like movie theaters, rows all facing the stage? It seems like we have the focus on who's preaching instead of Jesus aesthetically. Hadn't so, always been that way. Um, but now you're starting to answer the question. I am, but also I'm, I'm teasing this out a little okay, bit. Okay, okay, okay. Our architecture does speak to us. Let me yes. say that. And the reason that the pulpit is at front and center is because we, as Baptists in particular, believe that the preaching of the Word is one of the central things that we are to do as a church. Proclamation, hearing that. And so it takes center stage. The Word does. Not the pastor, but the Word of God. Right. And so that's, that's in, in our sanctuary here, and we'll come back and unpack all this. At the front, you see the Lord's Supper table, which we haven't used in two years. We've got to address that. Um, but you've got the Lord's Supper table. You've got the pulpit. And right behind it would be the baptistry. Mm-hmm. Those are three 
key elements of who we identify ourselves as as a church. That's really an important thing. Yep. Um, so you're saying that arch- architecture speaks theology. Absolutely, it does. All right. We'll leave it right there. We'll leave it right there. <laughs> I think there's something to say about that. We have, so we'll probably deal with that question next week. Sure. What you say? I, I, I like that. But we'll deal with that question next week. And if you have any other questions about church architecture and stuff like that. Keep submitting them. Yeah, submit it in uh, and, and let us know about those. And on this, on this topic that we've been talking about, let me just offer this challenge. If you're listening to this and you know somebody that is a member of our church who hadn't been here for a while, reach out to them. Just yeah. say, hey, we miss you. Mm-hmm. And then make that invitation. Just say, hey, the door's open. It may be the difference maker. It may be the moment in their life that they need yeah. to hear that. And just be in the church, yep. like what you mentioned. It's just it. loving people. Uh, you know, even if it means taking them a meal before you do it, you know, sure. we're, we're okay with bribing people. To come Amen. To that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's there's just a, a lot that I, I know that people are thinking about in our church, and I'm thankful that we Amen. get this opportunity so to uh, take questions, what what what's on people's minds, and what they're wrestling with. Uh, and so I hope this podcast has been helpful so far. The past two podcasts. Uh, I know it's been fun for us sure. to just to kind of think on these things, but we got some more controversial <laughs> ones coming up. We've been yeah, we're uh, probably going to take you off in a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we've just been trying to uh, play it soft here at the beginning, but uh, we got some more controversial ones coming up. So uh, we we wanted more time to study right. <laughs> for some of those. Right. Uh, but yeah, please share this podcast, like it, comment on it, give us a suggestions uh criticisms we'll take those too uh but we're we're having so much fun and we're so glad that you plugged along with us and uh john any last thoughts see you next time see you next time